Ultra. to the doctor's companion presents doctor who the long way round the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of doctor who one doctor at a time i'm Cass fredrickson i'm scott corelli and i'm nick jimenez and today on the show we'll be discussing mind warp the sixth doctor's ninth story hooray mm-hmm. and the and the second segment of the trial of a time lord Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Trial of a Time conclu- Lord Part Two, <laughs> Mind Warp Part the conclusion. One What's that? Is this the conclusion? The Trial of a Time no. Lord? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, cool. We're cool, halfway cool, cool. through. It kind of felt <laughs> great. I'm relieved, actually. Uh, weirdly, I'm because I was worried that was the ending. Oh no 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 no. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. So. So. You know. This goes back to just to remind everybody. Um, season 23 is being patterned after a Christmas carol with the first segment being, um, uh, the doctor's past, this being his present and the next story that we'll, we'll cover, um, on the next round of long way around is the future. Um, and then there's like a, there's like a two episode epilogue after that, that like wraps it all up. Um, so, so, uh, so this is the present segment. Um, originally, however, uh, this all basically comes down to the fact that Philip Martin, the writer of Vengeance on Varos, um, created this little tongue wagging, uh, <laughs> tongue wagging slug, um, named Sill that, uh, John Nathan Turner and Eric Sayward were big fans of. I believe they were the only people in existence who are. I actually, I know that that's not true, but man, I can't stand this thing. Um, it's the worst. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, they were big fans of it and they were like, Hey, Philip Martin, you should do another Sill episode. So, uh, he wrote or, or outlined, um, the second encounter that the doctor would have with Sill, uh, in a, a story called mission to Magnus, which would have paired Sill with the ice warriors. Um, this was going to be part of the, uh, season 23 when it was just another season of the show before, um, the doctor or before doctor who was soft canceled as we talked about and literally put on trial. Um, so that episode was, that story was, um, set aside and instead Martin was recruited, uh, to be one of the, uh, writers on trial of a time Lord. Um, and they still wanted Sill, uh, to come back and he decided to make this more of a companion piece to Vengeance on Varos in terms of like, uh, being about, uh, modern political things, um, in this particular case, um, uh, genetic engineering and, um, 
the uh, manipulation of uh, investments and natural resources and things like that. So um, he writes this story. And one of the notes that he was given uh, to do with this story was like, make it funner because Vengeance on Veros was like really mean. And he was like, okay. Like, so he, his plan was like to lean more into the sort of satire of it all. Um, and make a really fun, funny story. Um, and then he turned the scripts in, and Eric Sayward rewrote all of them, took out all of the jokes, everything that was funny, um, and left only the worst parts of it. And uh, he was, uh, Philip Martin was real mad about it, and was like, what the hell? What did you do to the story? You guys told me you wanted it to be funnier. And Eric Sayward's response was, I quit and he quit and as script editor. And that was it. That was it for Eric Sayward. And he was like, he left the show. Um, I think he is still uh, technically script editor on the next story um, of this, but he was already on his way out by the time this was shooting. He was done. He was gone. Um, so, and it was all about like, he was tired of writers coming to him and being like, why'd you rewrite my script? And he would, he just was like done. He hated the show. He hated the sixth doctor. Um, in fact, one of the other things that happened was that the sixth doctor was like, uh, Colin Baker, like came to him and was like, Hey, uh, why am I doing this? Why am I such an asshole in this script? Why don't I care about Perry? Like, why am I like, Am I actually tricking people? Is the Matrix being edited? Like, what is going on? I want mm -hmm. answers. And Eric Sayward was like, you're not getting any because I don't work here anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. I just just bailed. I mean, Eric Sayward hated Colin Baker. Um, yeah. Hated his doctor. Hated being a part of this era and just couldn't wait to get out of there. Um, so he's gone. Uh, and uh, this is the story that we end up with because they have to shoot it. Um, the other aspect of this is that uh, was this the the whole situation with Perry. Now, originally, she was she was contracted to be part of all of season twenty three, and if there was going to be a season twenty four, would have had an option for season twenty four. Uh, however, um, the actress who plays Perry um, wanted out. Nicola Bryant. She was afraid that people were going to treat her. Uh, she was going to get typecast as this one role. And, you know, I think ultimately she kind of did because I mean, it's not like we saw her in a lot of things after this. Um, and, uh, and so she's like, I want to go out. However, I want to go out in like, in a memorable way because, um, the last companion who left kind of left in a way that was just like, and, uh, Anyway, see ya. And that was and that was it. And she was like, I don't want an exit like that. I want a big, bombastic, memorable exit. Um, and so they they fucking wrote her one. Um <laughs> and uh and uh yeah, and so they decided they decided uh she would be killed. Um and that would be how she would go. And I have to say that while I appreciate that they took Nicola, Nicola Bryant's wishes into account when they decided how to write out Perry of the show, out of the show. Um, the fact that, and, and Nick, you're not going to know this, but the fact that the story of the case of Androzani, which is arguably the best episode of Classic Who, period, 
the story of it is what it is, and it completely hinges on the fact that the Doctor saves Perry. Mm -hmm. The fact that she is then, the Doctor inadvertently gets her killed is, I think, just the most frustrating way for this character to go out um, possible. Not to mention the fact that just, like, everything else about the way that she goes out is the worst. Um, it's just the fact that like looking back at, at caves of Androzani and the sacrifice that the doctor makes to save her. And then this is how they write the character out. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well then why did he do any of the, it's just, it's so frustrating. <laughs> um, and just, you know, a symptom of how television was written back then where they didn't give a shit about any of that stuff. Um, and, you know, it's like the story that I always talk about, how Jack Kirby would get original artwork of his back from the printers, and he would be great. He'd be like, great, tear it all up into scrap paper and write his lunch notes on the back of it. There is original artwork of Jack Kirby's that doesn't exist because he himself tore it up and turned it into scratch paper to write his lunch orders on. Oh, my God. So, you know... <laughs> like it's just nobody gave a shit about anything back then. Um, right. The way that the way that we do now, but it's uh, oh man, is it frustrating? Um, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's how Perry ends up going out the way that she does. Um, and uh, this story is the way that it is because it is re it was rewritten by and I you know and that's not to say like I don't know how good the Philip Martin script was before Eric Sayward got in his hands on it. I have no way of knowing that. I don't think anybody does other than Philip Martin and, and Eric Sayward. Um, but uh, I would hope that it would have been better than this. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, mm. Anyway, Brian Blessed, everybody. That's cool. <laughs> That's fun. Brian yeah. Blessed. Boss oh, Mass. right. Yes. <laughs> um, w- was he in Flash Gordon? He sure was. Those are cool. That's those so, are I, those yeah. are the three roles that I know him from. <laughs> I know him from as the the king in Mind Warp. I know him as uh, the guy from Flash Gordon, and I know him as Boss Nass. Um, those are in in the Phantom Menace. Those are the three things. I feel like he's also like the voice of a Disney character. Yeah, he might be. Norman might told be. me yeah. while I was watching the story that he was the voice of the bad guy in Tarzan, and once he said that, I could not unhear it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, <laughs> he totally is." I'm, See, I, I, I'm glad. I, I'm glad. I'm glad you told me that now instead of before. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've never seen Tarzan, so that that isn't in my that isn't in my wheelhouse. Um, I was, I was like Makes sense. 14 by the time it came out. I was like, I'm not going to go see a Disney. Oh my cartoon. god. Um, yeah, but, but so, it was about skateboarding, Scott. <laughs> okay. Um, so teens love skateboarding. So, <laughs> so anyway. Um, yeah, Brian Blessed's character in this, uh, is a, he is a perfect combination of his character from Flash Gordon and Boss Nass. You literally (laughs) merge those two and you get his character in this story. Because there's many times where he does just a slight little, like just a little bit, like he he doesn't go full (laughs) Boss Nass, but every once in a while. There'll be like a certain word where he just shakes his cheeks around and I'm like, there he is. <laughs> it's um, it's really funny that this is Brian blessed, uh, uh, Brian blessed because the whole time I just thought he looked, I was like, Oh, that he looks like the guy from flash Gordon. And the whole time I'm watching the story, I'm like, Oh, what a find. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> 
you know. I was like, man, when the casting must have flipped when this guy walked in. Like, uh, this guy's great. <laughs> what'd you, so what, overall, what do you think of this particular story, Nick? Especially now that you know that, like, Perry is, in fact, gone. Right. Um, sorry, I was going to make the reference. It'd be crazy if a popular show today had arguably its greatest story be about saving one character and then later in the finale have that character befall a horrible fate. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> That would just ruin everybody's vibe. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Uh, Damn it. But <laughs> I, I, you know, this was mostly like really unpleasant to watch. Mm. Um, and, you know, kind of befell a lot of the, the faults that I've kind of given this whole era of the show where it was kind of like ugly and, um, you know, like I, I had this thought where I'm like, I think when you're watching a Doctor Who, especially as a kid, you are kind of like either imagining being the doctor doctor or being the companion and like, God, it'd be fun to like be on this ship or like being chased by Daleks or like on a pirate ship or something or in a quarry mm-hmm. in Cardiff. Yeah. And I like was watching this story and I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm glad I'm not there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Perry's journey in this story is a, is a, is a waking nightmare. Mm-hmm. And yep. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not confusing. I wasn't like lost during it, mm-hmm. but like, you know, there wasn't a lot of stuff to be excited by. Mm-hmm. Cass, if you have your, if you had to watch one or the other, would you prefer Vengeance on Varos or Mind Warp? Just to, I'm just trying to gauge how much you actually hate this story this one because it's not 45 rather, minutes yeah. long <laughs> that's true that is true and brian blessed's in it uh, <laughs> yeah so i brian brian blessed like kind of like low-key saves this story from like being completely unwatchable yeah because at least um, i was like laughing yeah. a little bit when he was like speaking <laughs> Um, so yeah. I have two nice things to say about this. One of them is his performance is great. The other one is Perry's outfit slaps. Uh, I really like her outfit. Mm. Uh, everything else mm-hmm. makes me sad. So <laughs> I would, I, I would like to add one more thing that I really love about this story, which is the, pl- the, the, the retro wave bisexual lighting of the planet. Oh yeah. 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 Is absolutely killer i was like oh man does the whole story look like this and no no it doesn't but man for (laughs) for for a few minutes i was like hell yeah this rules have you seen this before it totally yes yes i have but i i had no memory of that because everything else washes that memory that good memory away by the time you get to the end of it what were you gonna say it looks like it would make a really good uh like looping animation for mm-hmm. one of those like YouTube mixes where it's just chill tracks for three yeah, hours. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Just just the just the, the, the TARDIS appearing and then disappearing and then reappearing and then disappearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that the, the pink the pink waves coming and going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the crazy coming. planet in the background. Um mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's it's cool, man. It's yeah. It's like that one of Homer Simpson when he's high and he's like nodding his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See that one? Oh man, it's good. 
Um, but uh, oh, something I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, that cool. We we get a return of the really expensive set that they model that they built. Oh yeah, of the ship when they like the zoom in. Oh yeah, true, true. Um, the the other aspect of this, and this is this is like I I don't know. I guess it's I guess it's weird, but I I kind of respect the choice. I should say, obviously, um, Sill, uh, a character that I I despise. Um, is played by a little person, um, a, an actor named uh, Nabil Shaban. Um, and in Vengeance on Veros, we only see Syl, right? Syl is the only version of this creature that we see, mm-hmm. right? Then we come into this one and we meet a couple of other ones. And both of them are played by regular, um, uh, not regular, but non-little people. Um, and... I I'm sure that the 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 choice was just like the casting didn't want to be bothered to find like two more little people to play these other versions of of the, these other um uh sp- members of this species. Yeah. But I I like the fact that like Sill even among his species is a little person. I think that that was like I don't know. I I just like it because like I like that it's not just like yeah they all just like look like this and we had to get a little person to play this but like I like that like even among his own people Sill is played by a little person because he is a little person I think mm-hmm. that that's I don't know there's something about that that I really I like it 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 like becomes a part of the character's identity and it it's like different from i mean it could it's unspoken in the show it's not right. like it's never remarked upon but like yeah like it kind of recontextualizes it and kind of unothers that aspect of him mm-hmm. in a weird way mhm yeah yeah and it's not something that you see ever you know like it's you you don't ever you you know what i mean like it's like like the ewoks just for an example right the ewoks are like exclusively played by little people i think it's played but they might be played by children in like background parts you mm-hmm. know um things like that but like typically when you see like an alien species of some sort played by a little person all members of that alien species are played by little people because casting is just like well this is just what they look like right um and so like i did i did really appreciate that even though like i'm sure that thought was not part of like the reasoning for why they did this but in retrospect i i like looking back at it and being like i like that choice i think it's a good choice so anyway um yeah that's it that's all i got i hate this uh this I really don't like this. Um, I guess we should. I guess we should get into it. Mind Warp Part One, written by Philip Martin, directed by Ron Jones, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date October fourth, nineteen eighty-six. The story opens with the Valyard and the Doctor arguing before the Valyard begins to present his next chunk of evidence, and the court all swivel on their cute little spinny chairs to look at the screen. The TARDIS arrives on the planet Thoros Beta, and the Doctor shows Perry a weapon given to him by a warlord from another planet. He says he has come to find out how the warlords obtained the technology which was manufactured on Thoros Beta. After wading through some bright pink water, they enter a cave where Perry is grabbed by a monstrous creature. During the struggle, the doctor shoots it. 
In the courtroom, the Valiard accuses the doctor of deliberately shooting the monster, but he insists the weapon went off accidentally. A figure arrives and accuses the doctor and Perry of murdering the creature, despite their repeated protestations that it attacked them first. The figure asks if they are part of Crozier's group. The doctor says he is. They flee before they can be identified as imposters, but quickly run into another monster that looks like a sad werewolf. They flee further into the caves. As they hide, they see three slug-like creatures being carried on litters by guards, one of which is Syl from the story Vengeance on Veros. The doctor realizes Syl is probably behind the arms sails and informs Perry that Thoros Beta is the homeworld of Syl's race, the Mentors. Elsewhere in a laboratory, a large man called King Yakernos is being experimented on. The doctor and Perry sneak inside. As the doctor sabotages some of the equipment, Syl arrives in the laboratory. The doctor is strapped to a table for questioning, and a scientist named Crozier puts a metal helmet on the doctor's head. Crozier says that the equipment will extract the truth. He starts to probe the doctor's mind, and the doctor screams in pain. So, um, let's start with uh, episode one. You know, with the with the nice shot of the. So, so we're get we're we're continuing the trial. Um, and this one, all of the trial scenes are a little repetitive from the first round because mm-hmm. the first round was like, I'm going to show that you are dumb. Like you don't deserve to be, you know, running around messing with stuff. Um, the Valyard, that's the Valyard. That's my impression of the Valyard. I guess. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then this, and, and like it in, at the end of that one, they're like, if you thought that was a good argument, wait till you see the next one. Uh, and then now we're in the next one, and the argument is basically the same. Like, it's essentially the same. And so, like, all of the scenes are are basically the same, except that, like, there are, and at least once in each episode, there's a scene where it, like, cuts back to the doctor on trial, being like, I don't remember doing that. I don't know why I would say that. It must be, I must be uh, trying to trick everybody or something. I don't know. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just annoying. The fact that he doesn't remember anything is annoying. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't love the trial scenes in this, in this part of the story. I think. You know, yeah. Like, I don't think I even thought about this while I was watching it, but it's called Trial of a Time Lord. And like, the actual trial aspect of it, there's really no twists or turns or escalations to any of it. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that I, I'm sure this happened in, um, uh, in the last story, um, with the, with the robot, with the, with the suitcase that he packed, um, to like go on a vacation. Um, one of my favorite things ever, uh, in that story, I'm sure this happened then as well, but I just can't get over the fact that we are watching Dr. Who on a screen about a trial where they're watching a Dr. Who adventure on a screen. (laughs) And then within that people will be watching other characters on a screen. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, this is too many layers of people watching shit on screens. Um, it's, (laughs) it's so silly. Uh, um but uh in any event um i would argue that is in terms of the 80s doctor who in the 80s i think this these opening shots of this story once we actually dip into mind warp the story um 
I think they are some of the best visuals, if not the best visuals in 80s Doctor Who period. Which is something, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, also. Uh, oh, go ahead, Nick. The uh, the it's so interesting, like going back to the like people staring at screens at people staring at screens like <laughs> yes. so much of this is like I know this is stupid of me for asking this, but like. How did they get the footage for the stuff that the doctor wasn't there for? Uh, I mean, he like, how are they watching that? Yeah, like he points that out, like at one point, right? Like in one of the okay. st- one of the episodes, like like uh, the doctor is just like, "I'm not even there. This doesn't have anything to do with me." <laughs> so, so they're talking about like the Time Lord Matrix, which is like a um, like a record or whatever of like the yeah. timeline, the collective, yeah. Like- everyone's yeah yeah yeah. so like part of the part of the doctor's thing is just like and i and i had forgotten it happened in the last story and he brought it up because like there was a part they were talking about in the last story that got like censored while they're watching it on the screen Mm -hmm. in the trial and he's like what the heck is that so like part of his thing is like you know and is this actually legit or like are have had have has the footage been like messed with um which is supposed to be impossible yeah. that's a that's a worthwhile question. yeah <laughs> okay i'm just there's there's a point in the story i can't remember what episode it is where uh the inquisitor is like oh hey uh do you want a lawyer yeah <laughs> like i can get you <laughs> and he's like no i don't i shan't have a lawyer god i'm I, the sixth doctor <laughs> i i wish I like imagine if this was structured a little more like defending your life where like there was like yeah. downtime where like he has to like consult with his lawyer and like <laughs> I I was thinking like how how great would it be if like Bob Odenkirk in full Time Lord regalia <laughs> just like came out incredible oh my god yes <laughs> and like yeah they keep having like asides where he's like, "Look, man, you're blowing it. Like, let me do my job." And he's like, "No, I'm, you know, I that would be something. Oh, that would be good. This would be my that favorite be really episode good. of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, because instead of almost released, because imagine, because ima- like, okay, um, like just imagine being the Doctor here and like all of the Time Lords in this in this trial." They're binge watching the entirety of Trial of a Time Lord mm-hmm. all in one sitting. And it's just like, don't you guys want to break? Like, go get lunch or something? I don't know. Anything so we can have the doctor do something else and talk to someone else? I don't know. How long do you think it took to film all of that? Uh, well, they filmed it episode to episode, just like. Wow! Yeah, so they just kept that set up for weeks. No, they would keep. Actually, this was a this was an ongoing problem uh, where uh, they would show up to the <laughs> they would show up to the set where this trial set was supposed to be built, and no one built it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it happened with the first story where they like showed up to the warehouse and like there was no set. There was just everything was just in boxes, and they were like. Nobody built this. <laughs> and then 
<laughs> and then it happened again when they showed up to the warehouse to film it for this story. Oh my god! Um, it, yeah, they were like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, the disrespect. Yeah, just no one built it. Um, they just didn't hire the Teamsters or whatever. Uh, wow. So, like, did they have to delay filming, or like, did they have to build it? Like, they had what? to delay it on the first one, but then they got Teamsters in there really quick on the second time because they knew how to handle it that time because it had already happened to them once. Man. Uh, so they got it. That? They got it up by the end of the morning and then started shooting. Um, yeah. but you know they were still down for like four hours or something like that. Um. So one oh benefit. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. No, no. I, I was like, oh my god, those poor actors in the alien makeup, and I'm like, oh no, this was this was just on Gallifrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, one benefit to uh, of this story over Vengeance on Varos is that uh, Sill is green instead of brown. Um. Yeah, because there's much like easier... crappy lighting in that other story. <laughs> yeah. He- He's brown on on Vengeance of Varos. Yeah, he's like he's like a brownish yellow green. That sounds horrifying. Yeah, no, it was it was. <laughs> um, it's it's a nightmare to look at. It's much better here, uh, and that's saying something because it ain't no party. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't no party to look at um, in this one. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, it is better. Um, and then, and then we also meet Kiv, his like boss, and like the whole plot of this story, being about like Kiv is dying and needs his brain put into a new body. Um, doesn't matter what kind of body, just any body, just needs to be able to live forever. This that concept is so much like it is be- better done better executed um the exact same storyline is uh an eighth doctor audio drama that i don't think we've covered yet i think we will cover um and it's done so much better than this but it's the exact same concept um and it rules but this (laughs) is oh god um yeah the worst um so yeah mind transference great stuff um (laughs) And uh, and yeah, and then uh, we're we're introduced to uh, uh, King Yurkinos as like a rage filled barbarian who keeps like waking up from like this mind warping machine that he's strapped to mm-hmm. um, and like yelling and screaming. And they're just like this idiot. What a dumb dumb. If he wasn't so stupid, this would be over by now. <laughs> um, but he doesn't ever really get to talk. He just gets to like have like. um like Wolverine uh, berserker rage uh, <laughs> tantrums. He like hisses at Brian Blessed at one point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His makeup is interesting. Brian Blessed, but uh, yeah, it is interesting. It's like when you cut to angles of his face throughout the episode and you kind of see like the work and like the eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And on the nose, like they trace the bridge of his nose. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's very interesting. Kind of makes him look like slightly two-dimensional it's weird um but uh uh yeah the doctor and perry like i like that moment where like the doctor and perry like show up and 
they just like have to like act like they own the place. Um, it's the most like, I don't know. It's the most Doctor Who that this story kind of ever gets. Cause, like the rest <laughs> of this doesn't really feel like Doctor Who. Uh huh. Um, but I do like I do like them walking in and acting like they own the place. That's good. Uh, the Doctor kills something. Yes, by accident, or so he says. Yeah, like the first uh, five minutes. Creature. Yeah, <laughs> creature that tries to eat him. Um, and uh, and yeah, the whole time they're telling, they're I I assume they're telling the truth about it being an accident, but they both sound like they're lying. Like every time they say it, <laughs> there's a there's a part where he's arguing with the Valiard, and he's like, like rewind the clip. You, you, you'll you'll see it shows that it went off accidentally. The Valiard's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, because that will only it. defeat my argument, and I would rather <laughs> people remember it the way I want them to. <laughs> um, it's like uh, it's just like when I when I went to uh, I went to a comic con in Chicago, and there was a Dark Knight panel, like prior to that movie coming out, and uh, you know it was like Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale, and like everybody was there, everyone but Heath Ledger, um, and they were all talking the movie up, and then they ran a trailer. And they ran the trailer and then the whole, the whole audience was like, run it again, run it again. The whole room was just like losing their mind. Run it again, run it again. And then somebody could just comes out like Christopher Nolan's assistant comes out and it's just like, um, uh, uh, Chris says, no, thank you, everyone. And then just <laughs> leaves. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to this day, to this day, there is an alternate two-face reveal scene in that trailer because I think it's a makeup test. Oh. I think they hadn't shot his actual reveal yet. And so they just use like the makeup test in, in this trailer that we watched that no one will ever see. And that's I think that's the reason why he didn't want us to watch it again because he was like, no, 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 I don't want you to have a good memory of these things that will not be in the movie. That's fair. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, yeah. But yeah, that's what this reminded me of. I was just like, no, 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 I don't think so. We're not going <laughs> to run it again. That's funny. Uh, I think, I think I remember you describing it to me. It was like, he, they're in like a bar and he's like at the end of the bar and he's like, no, no, he's in many... an office. Okay. Um, he, in an he's office, in an office yeah. and a guy walk, a guy walks into his office um and turns on the light and and he's sitting there um with his face turned so that you can only see <laughs> the the good face and then uh he's like flipping the coin like and whatever and the guy is just yeah, like yeah, Harvey I thought you were dead and then he he tur- he go he turns and says half and then you see it for like a flash you see the two face and that's it but it was, I think it was just a makeup test. I'm pretty sure. Got it. Um, because, yeah, it happens in a bar in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's in a bar. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that scene, that dialogue where he says, like, I thought you were dead, Harvey. And he's like, half. And then he slams the coin on the, on the counter in the, on the bar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a scene in that movie. You're yep. right. Yeah. So I, you was, I, I just go to the limo scene with Eric Roberts. Yeah. I always think of that as like. Oh, sure. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but no, he was like sitting in a dark office in a chair by the window, just 
Just waiting. Just waiting for the guy to come into his office, whoever this guy was in this makeup. <laughs> this was going to spook him. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, the doctor and Perry come across a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf named Dorf. <laughs> I feel so bad for this I... <laughs> actor who has like the giant like prosthetic yes, exactly teeth. I... Yeah. He has to keep his mouth yeah. open. I thought that too. I don't think he could close his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did get to cuddle up with uh, Nicola Bryant more than once though. So that's something that I guess. That was weird. It was super <laughs> weird. I hated it. I hated it so much, but I was also like, I mean, I guess good for him. I don't know, but I hate looking at this. <laughs> and like the makeup was so ugly. It was so just like Oh yeah. Mud. Just just mud. Shape. Mud, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. awful. Um, <laughs> however, uh, I think lycanthropy is like one of the prettiest words in the English language. <laughs> it's good. I like it. I think it's. I think it's lycanthropy. Like yes. But yeah, lycanthropy. 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 Um, That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the doctor finds out about this machine and realizes what it is. He like walks in and sees the barbarian <laughs> at this point because we don't know his name yet. Um, Brian Blessed strapped to this machine and he's like, "What is going on here?" And I do like how Colin Baker plays it, where he's like, "What is this?" And he just starts like walking around and he's like, "Wait, so they're doing the thing and they connect that to the." Oh, oh no! I don't like this at all. Well, that's bad. Yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love how he played that. Where he had to like look at it and figure out what it was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I thought that was fun. But uh, it's uh, it is all that's very doctory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea that the doctor will just put out a little fire when they see it. Yeah, yeah. I really like him in this first episode. When he's not being an um, asshole. In his first episode, he's yeah. In his first <laughs> yeah. episode, I think he's being very, very like doctory, and like a li- we're getting a little window into like how Colin Baker would have been as the doctor if he had a writer that respected him in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just imagine if someone like Moffat or Russell T Davies was just like given a doctor and like just like you just have to use this person. You have no choice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's that is a, that is a bummer, but it's also like, but he's Colin Baker and he's really good, and you should shut up about it, Eric Sayward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, that's what happened. Not not to derail again, but that's what happened. It turns out with the Green Lantern movie. Uh, director director Martin Campbell really really wanted Bradley Cooper. Oh, and, whoa! And, and Warner Brothers was. And and Warner Brothers was like, yeah, we don't want Bradley Cooper. We like this Ryan Reynolds guy. And Martin Campbell was like, I, I don't. I was there when he read. I don't, I don't like what he brought to the role. And they were like, yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> and so he was. That he makes was a lot stuck of sense. With this, so he was like, stuck, and I like Ryan Reynolds, but imagine, you know, like, like Scott, like being stuck with an actor that you inherently don't <laughs> like in well, this role. Well, you know? yeah, especially because like. I mean, in that particular case, the reason that they wanted Ryan Reynolds was because he was given Tony Stark energy. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. With like the ad libbing and and all of that. And Bradley Cooper wasn't going to do that. Bradley Cooper would just say the lines in the script like yeah. to the best of his ability because, you know, that's like the kind train of to be a pilot for like 9 months and yeah. 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 Man. Yeah, he would have been a lot better. But maybe we wouldn't have Rocket Raccoon if that were the case. That's true. Or maybe Ryan right? Reynolds would play Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> That's oh, so no. chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> what a monkey's ball that turned into. Oh, my God. And Bradley Cooper would play Detective Pikachu. So that's the alternate universe we would have been living in. <laughs> just imagining just Bradley Cooper's like whiskey-soaked, beleaguered voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh man, coming out of a Pikachu. That's great. <laughs> um, we just had our own. We just had our own mind warp on the show just now. Yeah, it was a lot uh, more fun than watching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Is um, is the mind warp the the cliffhanger for episode one? Is that how the, this one the, ends? The cliffhanger is that um they uh, uh Sill is brought in with a bunch of other guys and they calmly surround the doctor and then they're like, actually, you're going to go in the machine. And then he's like, what, what, what? And then that's it. Um, <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, Which I don't even understand what he's scared about because he just wrecked the machine. They didn't <laughs> plug everything back in again. Um, I, you know, I don't think it can operate, didn't, right? Didn't they? Point? Yeah, because the, isn't the cliffhanger, like, they put the thing on him and then he, like, shivers and then it's just like, oh, no, the doctor's going crazy. No, no, I know. I, uh, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying that I, I'm saying this era of the show is poorly made. Oh, um, okay. Because he literally just finished ripping all of that stuff out and then they don't fix anything. I think and the then scientist guy, the, and it works. the scientist guy, while they're, like, questioning him, like, oh, did that thing attack you? And. The doctor was like, yeah, it attacked me. And they're like, oh, I don't think, he, I think he's lying. I think the science test guy was like fixing things. Oh, I don't remember him fixing anything, but yeah. Maybe I'm giving Maybe. it more credit. I don't know. Well, <laughs> like the Valyard, we're not going to rewind yeah. it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. He should have just been like, you want to watch this again? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Once is enough. Mind Warp Part 2. Written by Philip Martin. Directed by Ron Jones. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date October 11th, 1986. King Ikernos wakes up and destroys all the lab equipment. He overpowers the guards and leaves the lab, with the doctor and Perry following after him though the doctor seems out of sorts after having his brain scrambled. As they flee, Yurkanos outlines his plans to attack the mentors. The doctor says he would enjoy that, and then collapses. In the courtroom, the doctor tells the Inquisitor that he doesn't remember these events happening. The Valyard gleefully tells him that he's in for a surprise, because he's a dick. Yurkanos, the doctor, and Perry go to where new slaves are brought into the base. Yukernos plans to attack the guards and steal their weapons, but as he sneaks into the room, the doctor calls out to the guards, giving him away. Unable to fight off all the guards, Yukernos runs off. Perry points a weapon at Syl and asks the doctor for help, but he ignores her. Perry drops the weapon and flees after the king. Syl asks the doctor why he helped the mentors, and he says that the odds are on their side. Perry encounters Matrona, 
who allows her to join the mentor's servants instead of turning her over to the guards. Covered with a veil, she enters a meeting room with medication for the slug in charge, whose name is Kiv. Kiv is dying and has hired Crozier in order to transplant his brain into a suitable body so he can go on being in charge of Thoros Beta. Unfortunately for Perry, which is pretty much the vibe of this whole story, the doctor recognizes her and betrays her. The doctor tells the courtroom that what they are seeing is all part of his ploy. He says he wanted to attempt to gain the mentor's trust so that he would be allowed to interrogate Perry alone, giving them both a chance to escape. When we see Perry next, she is tied up to some rocks on the shoreline as the doctor stands over her, accusing her of being a spy. She asks why he's acting this way, and the doctor tells her that Crozier is planning to put Kiv's brain into his body unless he can help them. Crozier stops the interrogation, saying that they have more effective methods of extracting the truth from Perry. As they re-enter the complex, King Yakurnos attacks the guard and threatens to kill the doctor for being a no-good, dirty, rotten traitor. Then episode two uh, starts with um, King Yurkinos waking up and distracting everyone by going into a berserker rage. Um, throwing shit around the As room. one does. And, uh, yeah, and saves the doctor's life. Um, Just a proper mess about. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, honestly, <laughs> episodes two and three are very muddy in my brain, and I literally just, just watched, watched it. these Yeah, today. I know. Yeah. Um, so, with episode two, we get something that was so frustrating to me. So, like, they're, okay, the, the, the trial, they're all watching these videos, yeah. right? Like, they're seeing exactly what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So, you see the doctor writhing around on a slab with a helmet on his head, like, with a very clearly, like, working machine, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then for the rest of the story, the Valyard is like, look, see, you're showing your true colors. You're being a total prick now. And the, the doctor's like, I don't understand. How could I not? I, under, I don't remember. And like, we, it was the brain zap thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, immediate, mis- immediate, like, oh, he was not, un- my client was not un- in his right mind. He was clearly affected by the mind warp thingy. Right. But like, nobody called that out. And that was so frustrating. I got mind warped. You saw it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't remember how we get there, but at one point, like, the doctor is, the doctor Perry and King Yurkinos are out, and they start, Yurkinos mentions, like, oh, we have weapons stashed over here, or we can get these weapons, and the doctor has a reaction to finding out that there are weapons. He is, like, gleeful. Like, there's weapons? Like, he's so happy. And I was like, I don't think the doctor has ever been happy to hear that there are <laughs> weapons nearby. This is the this is the first and only time everyone should understand that he was been wind warped. Like Yeah. Just instantly. Yeah. Like, Why are you so excited about it's, weapons? It's when it's it's in episode two, they get him away. He's like acting kind of like drunk. And then like he mm-hmm. he like quote unquote like betrays them. And then he right. like st- 
I don't know, he like comes to it's like after that point where he's like acting, quote unquote, normal, where he's not like, right, silly. And he's just being a, right. a dick. I don't know. Yeah, he has like an arc from like drunk to apathetic mm -hmm. where he's like, I don't care either way. I'm not going to help Perry or whatever to like, yeah, like actively being an mm -hmm. asshole. Yeah. Mm. Well, Perry bails. Goes off her, on her yeah. own and then uh, runs into like the servants quarters. Uh, and she was like, either I turn you in or I make you one of my own. Perry's like, I guess. OK, I guess I work here now. Whatever. Um, <laughs> she wears like a veil and serves people drinks for a while. Um, and it, it almost it like. You know, she's not wearing a metal bikini, but the fact that there's like a space slug and she's like a servant, it's like, I was like, that's a interesting comparison <laughs> happening right now. I didn't even think about that. There's a, there's a really like, yeah. <laughs> there's a really cringy scene where like the doctor is like, you know, slave girl, like, I don't like this drink. Get me another drink. And like, I was like, this is not that much different from their normal dynamic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's that it's that prissy cat energy that he brings. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, he just like so smug and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Preening like a big fluffy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he water torch. He, he water tortures Perry. That's not in this episode, right? Is it? I believe it is. Okay. Cast, can you remember? I think it is because it's after. Because like, yeah, because oh, she's yeah. like in. She's barely like uh, she's barely undercover as a servant because the doctor like exposes her and then it's just like I'm gonna interrogate right. her. He's right. It's awful. Right, right, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I I really hated that scene because he finds a way to gaslight her in the middle of like to, to, like interrogating mm -hmm. her. Yeah. Yeah. This is also the moment where it's us watching the trial, watching the bad guys, watching a screen of the doctor torturing Perry. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God. I think I think this writer just likes um, like voyeurism or something, because like Vengeance on Varos was like all people watching people suffering through screens. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then there's that, and there and there's a, 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 a direct reference to Vengeance on Varos where Syl is watching him torture Perry yeah. and says like, ah, oh, it's been a while since I've yeah. watched people just like the good old days, in pain, just like the good old days. I love suffering. Yay, um, yeah, Eric Sayward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Eric Sayward. Eric Sayward. <laughs> 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 Cursed. He. <laughs> he he really does seem like the id of this era. Uh-huh. Completely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the doctor says he's gonna he will sacrifice Perry if that's what it takes to save his own mind, because um he basically he he said he doesn't say this exactly, but he basically like, do you think you are worth are 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 worth wasting all of this, mm -hmm. like pointing at himself? <laughs> Like he's just like. <laughs> oh. oh, um, I have a, I don't know. I have a kind of a question slash theory. So like, 
Oh, I don't know. Never mind. So, so Brian Blessed had escaped at this point, right? He wasn't still hooked up to mm-hmm. the machine. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. He was gone, long gone. Yeah. Because, like, for a while, I thought he had mind melded with Brian Blessed's character a little bit. Oh. And like, there's a part later in like episode four, I think, where you know they're having a conversation with Perry, and Perry's like, "Well, love is when you love something more than yourself." And I'm like, "More than yourself? That's impossible." Oh, and, and I was like, "Oh, it's like what the doctor right kind of right. thought." That is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. I can see that connection. Um, <laughs> I feel like we keep giving more stuff to this yeah. <laughs> episode maybe than it deserves. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, after this this Perry scene, like Yerkanos is like, "I'm gonna kill you, Doctor," and then that's that's the cliffhanger to episode two. Is that really the cliffhanger? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Wait, I, I wrote down, I think I wrote down the line. Oh, yeah. He says, your turn to die. Yeah. Huh. Now, the doctor, it's your turn to die. Mind Warp Part 3. Written by Philip Martin. Directed by Ron Jones. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, October 18th, 1986. Before King Yakarnos can attack the doctor, Perry knocks the gun out of his hands, allowing the doctor to flee. The king asks her why she did such a thing, and she says it's because the doctor isn't in his right mind and that she cares about him. As they wander around the cave system, they come across the sad werewolf again, who turns out to be Yakarnos's buddy named Dorf that has been experimented on by Crozier and the mentors. In the laboratory, the doctor assists as Crozier prepares to transplant Kiv's brain into a recently deceased mentor corpse. The operation seems to be successful. Yay. Meanwhile, Yakernos, Perry, and Dorf team up with some resistance fighters from Thoros Alpha. They eventually agree to allow Yakernos to lead them all in an attack on the mentors, but when they go to retrieve weapons from a resistance stash, they are ambushed by guards and shot down. So in episode three, uh, Perry stops Yerkanos by knocking the the device out of his hand. Yes. Yeah. He's like, no, he don't. always like this. And he's like, you stupid woman, why would you do that? <laughs> Good old casual misogyny. Oh my God. <laughs> Poor Perry. And like, so you know, mad. we haven't. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, even in episode two, she was, like, caring for the doctor and, like, saddled with him this mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. And then she just, like, jumped in front of a gun to save him, even though she's been, like, he's been, like, a jerk to her this whole time. And I mean, like, the whole time that he's been the mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that he she just was, like, waterboarded by the doctor yeah. just a second ago. <laughs> uh, I almost DM'd both of you. Um, but we don't, we don't really talk while watching an episode or whatever, but I almost like, like, I was like, can someone please be nice to Perry for one goddamn second on the show? (laughs) It happens. It happens once. And it's the greatest episode of of the classic who era. (laughs) Great. Happens one time. (laughs) Um, yeah. So anyway, I guess these things are called mentors. <laughs> so I, think, I think Cass was. I think Cass was trying to think of that. Oh, that oh, because yeah, I was huh? like trying to think of an episode where Six was nice to her, but then I was like, oh wait, no, it's like the literally the first episode she's in. 
Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah. But the mentors. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're called mentors, these things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think. Uh and uh yeah, so so Kiv, the the sick sill alien, um, is transfer transferred into a dead one, basically. Like another <laughs> another sill creature, but it's dead and it's been dead for a while. Um uh, just fished it out of the lake. Yeah. So just transfer him into the dead one because, like, his body is, like, out of it. Um, It's not going to last very long. He's going to fry through that thing. Um, Just like the master in in the TV movie. Um, And, uh, uh, but yeah, but he's in it for a little while. um, And he's, like, sleeping. There's that moment where... (laughs) Where where Syl wants to be the first thing that he sees when he wakes up. And we get that POV shot. Of his like eyes clearing out and seeing Sills like smiling goopy face and like Kiv just being like ah oh Jesus <laughs> like why I'd rather be dead I should have been I should be dead what a mood it's uh it was the yeah it was the first face that this face saw <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh and as they're as they're preparing the transference the the doctor scientist guy like. Sill is like talking shit like the whole time, just like talking shit. And and like finally the doctor is just like, Sill, stop gyrating your fruit. And I was like, that is that is a crazy way to say shut up. <laughs> <laughs> or chill. Stop gyrating your fruit. Oh, I thought you said throat. Oh, throat? Is it throat? I think so. I thought it was stop fruit. Stop gyrating your throat. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was. I thought he said fruit. See, that's even no, better like, than. That but you're mean? right. That... <laughs> <laughs> Just some alien slang. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What's oh. gyrating your fruit?" <laughs> um, Cass, that that reminds me, because yeah, like yeah, gyrating your fruit, because it's like it's an alien world, right? Stuff would be wildly mm-hmm. different. Uh-huh. Um. I was obs- I was obsessed with how surgery is basically the same that it is on Earth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. The other thing, uh, r- completely related to that, in this episode, we meet the mentor Resistance, because um, because Perry and and uh, and and Yurkinos, uh Brian Blessed. I'm just going to call him Brian Blessed because that's that's who he is in mm. my heart. Um, Perry and Brian Blessed uh, meet up with with the, the 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 mentor Resistance, and they like team up with them for the re- remainder of the story after being captured, and then they like are convinced by Brian Blessed um, being like a true warrior, et cetera, et cetera, and he's going to lead them to victory, et cetera, et cetera. But when they first show up, they are wearing ponchos with just just blatant Southwest pattern. Hmm. <laughs> Just Southwest patterned ponchos. Like, that's what they're wearing. Like, brown and beige. It's like, <laughs> but, like, the pattern. Like, with the, with yeah. the, like the little, that, yeah, I don't even, like, the Adobe pattern, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, it's just, that killed me. I was like, wow. Yeah, no, it, it was like, oh, my wife just got back from, like, a trip to Santa Fe. Yeah. And I bought five of these. <laughs> At a gas station. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh, man. So, like, for a lot of this one, Perry was... So she went from babysitting the doctor to now babysitting Brian Blessed mm-hmm. and the werewolf mm-hmm. man. Right. Like, 
there's a part where she has to literally like it's so stupid because she's so tired and like she's like enjoying a little snack and then they start fighting for some stupid reason and she has to like pull them mm-hmm. apart right and like they're she, both like growling and barking at each other <laughs> <laughs> but only one of them is a dog <laughs> Also, you know, in the context of the story, that werewolf guy was Brian Blessed's, like, closest friend. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he's been, like, morphed, like, Urukai, like, t- twisted into this new form. <laughs> can't and, can't like, emph- emphasize this enough. His name is Dorf. 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 <laughs> um, he kind of mm-hmm. learned how to talk around this episode. Mm-hmm. This is when he started like saying stuff, yeah, yeah, or trying to say stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um. So so yeah. So then episode three ends with them uh, with them getting shot. They both get shot. Um, Brian Blessed and Perry both get shot by one of the mentor guards. Mentor and security. And Dorf. Yeah, Dorf gets shot too. Mind Warp Part Four, written by Philip Martin. Directed by Ron Jones, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward, air date October 25th, 1986. It's revealed that Perry, Yukernos, and the other resistance fighters have only been stunned, and they are taken to cells. While they're locked up, Perry and Yukernos talk, and Yukernos seems like super into her. In Crozier's laboratory, Kiv isn't doing as well as they hoped in his new vessel. Crozier makes plans to transfer the brain into another body and suggests using Perry. The doctor says he would prefer that she is not experimented on. Good call. Crozier sends him out of the lab to find another suitable candidate, and after the doctor leaves, Crozier calls for Perry to be brought to the lab anyway. The doctor goes to Yakernos's cell and tricks the guard, allowing Yakernos and Dorf to escape. Together, they free the remaining resistance fighters. They head towards the control room where all the slaves are mentally controlled. They succeed in freeing the slaves from mental control, but Dorf the sad werewolf is killed. In the laboratory, Perry is strapped to an operating table, and her head is shaved in preparation for the surgery. But as the doctor heads towards the lab to rescue her, the TARDIS suddenly appears in the hallway. The doctor is drawn backwards into it, and it takes off, heading for the space station where the Time Lord's tribunal is taking place. In the courtroom, the Inquisitor tells the doctor that this was ordered by the High Council because the result of Crozier's experiment would adversely affect all life in the universe. Back in the lab, Crozier has successfully transferred Kib's memories into Perry's brain, and her memories and personality have been erased in the process. When Kib awakes in Perry's body, he is delighted at the results. As Yakernos prepares his attack on the laboratory, the Time Lords capture him in a time bubble so that his attack is timed perfectly to destroy Crozier's work. The time bubble dissipates and Yukernos bursts into the lab. Upon seeing what has happened to his beloved Perry, he is overcome with anger and despair and begins firing his gun wildly, seemingly killing Perry and the others in the process. The doctor is stunned at this turn of events. The Inquisitor and the Valyard tell him 
that it was necessary to end Perry's life to prevent the consequences of Crozier's experiment. The doctor, now rightfully enraged, insists that he was taken out of time for another reason, and he declares that he is going to find out why. They had just gotten shot, and they're like, are they dead? Uh, no, no, they're not. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> what a cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, wow. That That's weird, though, because like it starts with, like, oh, no, Perry's dead, and then it ends with, oh, no, Perry's dead. Mm-hmm. One of those is legit, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so uh, this is the episode where Kiv's brain is like fucked up in the dying, the, the, the second dying body. And uh, he needs to be transferred again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, is the doctor suitable? And the doctor convinces the doctor that he's unsuitable for, for Kiv. Uh, but then they're like, "Well, what about your uh, what about your pal? What about the what about the girl, the woman? Let's uh, let's give her a shot." And the doctor's like, "Oh, I don't know. I think she kind of sucks personally. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's great. I don't think that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> she's kind of the worst." Um, and they're like, "Yeah, okay. You go. You leave the lab, the the medical facility." Um and go find me a suitable. Just sends him on a wild goose chase mm-hmm. to like find somebody else who will be good. I think knowing full well that there's nobody in that like volunteer center anymore. Um, but like just sends him. Just go go do your mission. Whatever. Go find somebody, and then immediately brings Perry in for surgery. Um, yep. shaves her head. Head shaved, mm-hmm. and uh, that's puts her. her transference yeah. process that's her last scene as perry is her like strapped to a table screaming getting her head shaved yep mm-hmm. yep yep absolutely is um miserable death also or miserable in the story life. uh she she tells this is the this is the episode where um perry tells yurkinos what love is he's like what is love <laughs> um mm-hmm. And then after she tells him, he can he, he refers to her as his bride to be the rest of the story. Yeah, I have to save my bride to be, my queen. Great, Brian Blessed and Perry. Uh, <laughs> they take they. I don't know. Did they know that Perry had been taken? I don't think so. Wait, because like no, he thought she was just gonna die. Cause he, cause he, cause he's in the cell with her, and then they take her away, and he, she's, he's like, have a good death. Yeah, they think they're getting like, um, like executed, executed right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because they take their sweet time getting to Perry, uh huh. Just to like throw a little salt in the wound of yeah. this character. I was like, you're not even gonna like sprint there. You're gonna like do a little side quest, and like, yeah. So after the doctor figures out that there's not anybody else in the volunteer center, he like breaks out Brian Blessed um, and Brian Blessed's real mad about it because he's like, how dare you help me? We're sworn enemies. He's like, well, I don't have time for whatever this is. I don't care. Come on, let's go. <laughs> and, and then uh, immediately like Dorf is shot and killed um, in their in their breakout attempt. And uh, and then. 
they know something is happening with Perry, that the transference is in process. But then the doctor is like running down the hallway to go save her when the TARDIS appears out of nowhere and forces him to walk backwards inside of it <laughs> and then disappears. And that's the moment when he was taken to the trial uh -huh. in the first episode. So he was taken right out of this so that he couldn't save Perry and brought to the trial. He's like, if you hadn't taken me to the stupid trial, I could have saved her. And they're like, nah, you couldn't have. I, I don't believe you. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. We're still going to charge you for her death. <laughs> but the fact that you not giving you a chance to save her is actually irrelevant. <laughs> like, if you, jettison, if you go into any Doctor Who adventure like 10 minutes before the ending and yank him out of the story. Yes. <laughs> like that, well, that's, yes. The, that's the thing the Time Lords don't understand. You know? He's <laughs> in the middle them. of meddling. You can't pull him out before the meddling is complete. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they don't respect the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, um, what a what a nat one on luck for Perry. Though. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. So she's dead, and she's Kiv now. And then Yurkinos walks into the room, sees Kiv as Perry, freaks the fuck out, and shoots her in the head. Um, and that's it. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> the story's over. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor's like, "Is she really dead?" And they're like, "Yup." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm I I'm I'm really excited to see the caves of Andrazani. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Like it 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 makes me feel because I've only ever seen the you know this the not good side of this companion story. And right. it makes me feel a little better knowing that Perry is a key part of like what you say is like the best Doctor Who story ever. Yeah. Yeah. One of the best ever and I think the best classic Doctor Who story. Okay. Um but uh yeah, it's uh this sucks. Um is this our this is our other than Ben and Polly this is like our first like proper companion exit. Adric. On Long oh. Way Around. Oh, Adric. That's right. I forgot about Adric. Also, <laughs> also dead. dead. Also killed. If, also killed. They, well, if, hey, at least the dinosaurs were okay this time. <laughs> True. Uh, you know, Nicola Bryant does get like some cool stuff towards the end as kiv mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. we just saw tegan get like four episodes of being like the cool bad guy mm -hmm. yeah wow that's weird that that happened like that <laughs> <laughs> the connections between stories doing it in the format that we we cover this is like finding those weird connections is always really so interesting odd. um mm -hmm. yeah and and yeah very very interesting Cass, what are, what are your thoughts on Perry, like as a character? Now that we've kind of reached the end of her story, unfortunately, I think she did admirably for what she was given. Um, mm -hmm. Which, 
happens too many times too many times to actresses um just in general uh i i like her with the doctor when they're not like bitching at each other um Mm -hmm. but unfortunately that's like 80 percent of their dynamic and like like you can do like the like the snippy like married like quote-unquote married couple like better (laughs) um and i think that's like the vibe they were trying to do but it just doesn't their i don't know their energy is not that to me so it just feels wrong um yeah would would you say that ten and Catherine tate are like the ideal like old married couple dynamic? yeah because they actually like each other (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) like even when because i was like trying to think of like because like um 12 did like the weird put down like insulting but like also i care about you thing with clara a lot like because his whole thing was just mm-hmm. like not realizing that jenna coleman is like gorgeous um which got old after a while but even their dynamic is like way way better than like <sighs> poor perry i don't know <laughs> yeah that's another weird thing that I picked up is that I don't know if Moffat absorbed this when he was a kid watching this, mm. but like there's a running joke where uh, a Siv thinks that Perry is like completely physically repulsive. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Right. It, it's like the Drax and Guardians joke. And it's always like, ah, the joke is that she's really she's really pretty. And I'm like, that's such a weird joke to make, though. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't like it in any of the three things I just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. You know, I I I think that uh, Perry, while you know being a, a a really solid companion for the Fifth Doctor in like literally the two episodes that that happens in, mm-hmm. um, two two stories that that happens in, uh, I think she was a terrible choice for a companion for the Sixth Doctor, and I don't think that that is anyone's fault you know like it's just the way everything fell um of like you've got a a a, a producer who's forcing things on the like script editor who doesn't want these things and is doing his best to find something interesting something that he's interested in but like he's he doesn't like it and he doesn't he doesn't like his lead and the 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 companion combo doesn't really work because mm-hmm. of like what he's doing with the lead and it just it becomes a mess they do not master the six doctors companion until big finish mm-hmm. um they give him uh they basically put they basically pair the six doctor you'll meet her very soon um but they basically pair the six doctor with uh uh professor mcgonagall yeah and oh cool and that's like his companion in big finish just this elderly woman who just is like shut up you buffoon <laughs> like <laughs> well good and Looking it's forward to that. it's fantastic like he just they just stick him with a mean teacher mm-hmm. and it's the best um is is perry is perry in any big finish content at all uh yes but i don't think i've heard any of it because again i don't i don't right. consider that canon. real to you yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not real to me um it's not real to me um 
Look, look for, I like looking forward. I don't like looking back necessarily with picture sure. stuff. So, yeah. so is, would you call, so we're two thirds of the way through trial of a time Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, would you call is, does it get better from here or is it just kind of keep going downhill? Um, this, the next one is better than mind warp, but it's also less interesting. It's boring. I, if I remember correctly. Um, it's just kind of like a nothing story. Uh, it is the introduction of Mel. Mel. Yeah. Oh. Um, because it's, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the future. Um, it's the, it's the ghost of future. And so his next companion is going to be Mel. We never get her introduction as a companion. (laughs) Um, they finally did it in big finish. Uh, and it's this crazy timey wimey story that is like actually pretty fun and great. Um, and we might cover it, but, uh, it also feels weird to cover it after she's introduced in trial of a time Lord. Um, because then we would just swiftly move on from Mel, um, to, to Evelyn, uh, or Evelyn. So, um, I don't think we'll cover it, uh, but it is fun. It is, it is a fun story to go back and listen to where she's like. She she is she is um uh, basically she is she meets the do- a future version of the sixth doctor and he's like oh mel like we're going to be we're going to be buds and she's like i don't know who you are <laughs> and he's like oh yeah like so like we're going to be you're going to be my companion it's going to be this whole thing and it's going to be great and you're going to love it and blah 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 she's like anyway uh and then like has to like base and then realizes that she's not meeting him and is like wait do i introduce her to myself and then, like, has to, like, figure out how to do that. Um, That's funny. So it's, like, a multi-doctor story with, like, two iterations of the Sixth Doctor at, like, different points in his own timeline. Um, introducing Mel to himself. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's fun. But I don't think we need to cover it because it's not, I don't know, pertinent to anything. Um, but, yeah. Introduction of Mel next time. And and we come in in media res mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> with Mel. So I I hate that. Like I, I it just hit me that like there's this that scene where where Perry's like, boy, I can't wait. I just want to get home. I just want to get back to my own time and get out of this nightmare marathon that I've been on. And like, it's like, why would you include that? Just to be mean. This whole era is mean. Yeah. It's so yeah. mean. Like, literally, he, like, you know, according to him, he made, like, a fun, funny satire, and Eric Sayward just meaned it up. Just made it real, real, real mean, and then bailed on the show. show. (laughs) Just fucking quit. It's it's like last week with Tamara, you know, he's just fueled by rage and hate. (laughs) Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So anyway. Um, What's next week? Next week is Battlefield. Yes. Uh, a a Seventh Doctor story. Battlefield, I believe. What was the last story that we covered last 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 time? Last Seventh Doctor story? Uh, Greatest Show. Was. Greatest yeah. Show? Okay. So. Greatest Showman, greatest showman <laughs> the greatest show in the galaxy, um, I think is the end 
of the silly era of the seventh doctor and battlefield is the start of like seventh doctor the cool calculating like full of machinations seventh doctor Mm -hmm. um it's a very different vibe and it's fucking rules it is so good it's my favorite Um, seventh doctor story the next one so i'm excited oh wow yeah it's really it's really good it does it does set up a promise however that has to this day has yet to be fulfilled i've talked Um, about it on the show before (laughs) and it yeah, and it is it is super frustrating. However, it is fun. It is fun in the story mm-hmm. that we're about to watch. It's really great. Battlefield rules. Um, and honestly, his final story notwithstanding, the rest of the Seventh Doctor is like all bangers. So, yeah. It's exciting. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway. Battlefield next week. Seventh Doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Spoons. Um, (laughs) He plays them. Uh, All right. Well, um, and next time, next time uh, when we come back for um, for a trial of a time Um, lord, uh, uh, we'll be we'll be discussing. Um, Terror of the Vervoids. That is the name of that story. Good word. Terror of the Vervoids. Mm-hmm. Two Vs. Controversial mm-hmm. choice. <laughs> Vervoids. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to Cass's recaps in which they uh, steadily got angry. And <laughs> um, I'm sure we all... We all had a good laugh. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, see you next week. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.